the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. If you have your Bibles with you, Kettering, and you should, I want to invite your attention to the book of Job, chapter 1. Begin reading at verse number 1. The word of the Lord reads like this. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each one on his appointed day. And would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Amen. Eternal God, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity and privilege to preach your word. I'm praying, God, that even now that you would sustain my physical body, that I might be able to declare a clear word in the midst of the hearing of your people. Father, that the word of God that goes forward might be one that encourages those who are discouraged on today. A word, Heavenly Father, that may save someone who's lost and draw them back from the dangers of judgment that are yet to come. Father, I'm praying that your word would go forward in such a way that you would restore the broken fellowship for that person who's walked away from you and perhaps become bitter in their relationship. I pray that their relationship will be restored through the preaching of the gospel. Father, let this body of believers that are listening be edified by the preaching of the word. But more importantly, God, let your name be glorified in the midst of all that is done and all that is said. It's important, Lord God, that you get the glory and the honor and the praise. And so, eternal God, now use this vessel of surrendered clay in a way that brings you the most glory and the honor and the praise. Allow for clear articulation of thought and speech that you, God, can be glorified in this place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. On this Father's Day, I thought it would be good to look at the perhaps oldest detailed account of a father that we have in Scripture. Job is not the oldest father in Scripture, but we have more detail of Job's parenting and fathering skills than perhaps any of the earlier fathers in Scripture. The actual occurrences of Job actually happen 
in the patriarchal period, which is before the law came into place. It's after Adam and Eve, but it's before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Job, chronologically speaking, would probably be in the early part of the book of Genesis in terms of when it actually occurred, his story and his life and who he is. And so Job's example of a father is an excellent model, if you will, for fathers to follow. And so I want to talk just for a little while this morning from the subject matter, Job, the model father. As I look in this text of Job, and I know we most often think only of Job as the man who suffered greatly, but Job gives us an excellent picture of a good father. First of all, Job sets an example for his children. If you look there with me in the first few verses, the text says that Job was a blameless man. That is, he was without accusation. He was straight. He was a man whose children grew up, and all they saw of him was a father of blamelessness as it related to the standard of God. Job didn't curse. He didn't mistreat his wife. He didn't abuse her. He didn't talk about her. He didn't call her names. He never belittled her. He didn't cheat on her. All the children saw of Job was a father who was blameless. He didn't abuse his children. He didn't call them out of their names that they weren't given. He didn't treat his neighbors bad. The example he set for his children was one that they saw a man who was unselfish. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't rude. He was blameless and upright. The text goes on to say that he was a man who feared God. Job had a healthy, balanced respect for God. They never heard Job use the name of the Lord God in vain. He was a man who had a reverence for God. His children saw a man who served and loved God with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his mind. He was a man who feared God. And the text goes on to say that in his example to his children, not only was he blameless and not only did he fear God, but also his children saw in their father a man who rejected behavior that opposed the character of God. They saw in their father a man who stayed a distance away from evil, who avoided lying and cursing and drunkenness and whoremonging and pornography and the worship of idols and the foul and immoral behaviors of other men. He didn't entertain evil on Friday night and Saturday night and then come in to the services on Sunday still smelling and reeking of the smells of the night before. No, Job's children saw a man who stayed away from evil. He wasn't too embarrassed to let his friends know, no, I don't hang out there. No, I can't go to that club. No, I, I know it's happy hour, but I, I'd, rather, I'd rather be at home with my family and my children. His children saw an example of a man who shunned evil, a man who feared God, a man who was blameless. Verse 2 says he had seven sons and three daughters. 
that were born to him, but also his possessions were uh, 7,000 sheep and 300 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 female donkeys and a very large household. But the thing his children saw in their father, Job, was as an example, a man who managed his wealth and his great possessions with great character. It's one thing to have a whole lot of stuff, but it's another thing to manage your stuff with character. Job's children saw in him a man whose character was above reproach. Chapter 29 says that Job's character was one of a highly respected man. He was a fair and an honest judge. Job 31 says that he was a wise counselor, an honest employer, a hospitable and generous man. In all of his wealth, he didn't let the wealth have him, but he had the wealth. Job was a great example of a man who managed his wealth well. And the Bible says that he was declared the greatest man in the East because of how he managed what he had. See, a lot of people want to be great because they have stuff, but you can have great stuff and be a lousy person. You can let the stuff take control of you. You can let the stuff be more important to you than your own family. But Job's children had a perfect example of a father who was blameless, a father who feared God, a father who shunned evil and managed great possessions with great character. And so, not only was he a great example to his children, Job sanctified his children. The text says that, verse number four, his sons and his daughters, they would go and they'd feast in their houses and each on their appointed day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat with them. And so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. As Job's children modeled him and followed him, they learned the importance of celebrating feast days. These aren't the feast days of the Levitical era. These aren't the feast days of the law. These are feast or celebrations of varieties of events, perhaps birthdays or anniversaries or things of that nature. And so the children had learned, even though their dad was respectable man, an honorable man, a holy man, they learned from their father that life was not just going to church, but life enjoyed having some fun, that you can have a feast, that you can have a celebration. And at the celebration, they not only ate at the party, but they drank at the party. Let me read the text. It says, his sons and daughters would go in their houses and each one on the appointed day, and they would send and invite their three sisters, and they would eat and drink with them. Job's children learned from their father that it was all right to celebrate. It was all right to have fun. It was all right to have feast days. And they came together and they learned the importance of sanctifying time together as a family. Job had taught them the importance and the significance of being sanctified. The word sanctified just means to be set apart. As I looked at the text, the text says that Job's sons would have parties at their houses and their seven sons. So they would rotate around from house to house. 
as they would rotate from house to house, they would invite their three sisters in and all 10 of them would be celebrating in the house. We can learn a lot about sanctifying time with our families. We are such a busy group of folks. We're always running here and running there and going to this person's house and this girlfriend and that boyfriend, but we're not spending a whole lot of time together as family. But Job's children learn the importance and the significance of coming together and sanctifying time where family alone would be together. We're spending too much time apart. We don't even know who our children are. Our children don't know who we are. Now every now and then you need to just bring your family together and say this is just time we're going to spend together. Job's children spent time together, just them. They did not allow for outside influences and outside interruptions. And I'm just so convinced that that time is so valuable in the life of a family. I believe not only when they're children, but I think the time is still valuable when you get older. Spend time just with family. And I know y'all can't stand each other, but sometimes it's just good just to be together. Maybe you'll stop hating each other if you spend more time together without outside influences. Job's children saw and learned the importance of having sanctified time together. And even though they saw an upright and a blameless man, even though they saw a man who feared God and they saw a man who shunned evil and he set the great example before him, managing his possessions with great character. Even though they saw all of that, Job wasn't naive to think that when his children were partying that they may not stray from God. Job didn't get bent out of shape. Because his children had done something, perhaps, outside of his teaching. Now, I noticed in the text, Job didn't say nothing. He didn't call his sons up and say, I know y'all over there drinking that Hennessy. He didn't call them. He didn't show up. He didn't crash the party to catch his children. And there's something else to notice about this text. The children didn't invite Job and his wife either. And he didn't get an attitude about that. He was okay with his children partying together, having the celebration together. And as much as he was not naive to think that they were just having a nice, clean, fun time, Job said now, each one had the party on his appointed day. So it was when the days of the feast had run their course, when, it, when party time was over. Job would sin and sanctify them because Job wasn't naive to think that the party was just all clean. So Job didn't set them apart again unto the Lord. He would pray for them, but he would also send to them and declare to them, all right, now y'all have had your party time. Now it's time to set yourself back in order with God. I know you out there doing something and perhaps you've gone too far, but I need you to set your life. I need you to set your heart back in line with God. This is why Job is a good model parent. He sanctifies each one of them, and he sends them to repent and to set their life right back in order with God after the party time is over. And as the priest of his family, Job led his children to be set apart, to be sanctified to God, to be put back in order with God as the priest. And this is another great example of a good model of a father. A good father serves as priest of his home. 
He's the religious or spiritual leader of the home. He's the one that takes the lead on making sure his children are in line and set apart unto God. He's not waiting for mama to do it. He's not waiting for mama to take them to church and mama to teach them the Bible. No, he takes the lead and leading them into being set apart unto God to be understanding of the fact that God is important and it's important to live a life that's in line with God. And Job takes the lead on that as priest of his home and he sins and he sanctifies his children. Job also sacrificed for his children. Verse number five says, so it was in the days of Feast were done. Of course, Job sent and sanctified them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. In being a good father, it involves sometimes the sacrifice of your time and your sleep. Sometimes, fathers, you got to be the one that gets up early with the kids. When they got a runny nose and they can't sleep and they're having nightmares and they need somebody to rock them to sleep. Sometimes it ought to be the daddy. Job gives us an example of rising up early for his children. And fathers who are good model fathers will make the sacrifice of their time and their sleep for their children. Sometimes I know you don't want to get up early for that football game or that ballet lesson or whatever it is, but you've got the sacrifice for your children. And, and let me help you with this one. The sacrifice you make for your children, the sleep that you lose for your children, the, the ministry that you do in providing for them, God will bless you as a result and your children will rise up and call you blessed and they will favor you because you sacrifice on their behalf. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to, how many people I've counseled, and they told me over and over again, my father was never there. My father didn't care about me. My father didn't make the sacrifice. But I declare, if you as a father, if you as a dad, is you follow the example of Job and make the sacrifice of time and sleep for your children, they'll greatly appreciate it. You've got to keep in mind, the reason Job is getting up early is because his children were partying, perhaps doing some things contrary to what he wanted them to be doing. For you and me, we probably would have had an attitude because they was doing stuff anyway. And then we probably would say, why would I get up early and sacrifice my sleep? Because they was partying all night. But Job gets up early and makes the sacrifice even though his children were partying, even though his children were having feasts, even though perhaps his children were doing things that were sin against God. Job makes the sacrifice to get up early anyway. And when he gets up early, he not only sacrifices his time, he sacrifices his resources. The text says he rose up early. And he'd offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Job got up early and then he began to offer blood and animal sacrifices for each child. Now, some believe that Job only made the sacrifice for the sons. But I believe the text seems to indicate to me that he did it for them all which means all 10 of his children. And so Job got up early in the morning after his children have been celebrating and turning it up for the last seven days or however many days they've been going from house to house. And Job got up early and went out to his barn and took his choice 
oxen took his choice sheep and then took it before the Lord and slaughtered it. So he's given up his time and he's given up his wealth and resources in order that his children might be set in order and that they might be right before God. He makes a sacrifice of these animals for each one of the children just in case they had sinned in their heart against God. Not in their lips. It shows you the the level of intensity that Job is serious about making sure that his children are right before God. It's the perfect model of a father who cares for his children where he sacrifices for them. The father knows that he's given a good example. He knows that he sanctified his children. But, But he makes absolutely sure that every one of his children have a sacrifice of his time, a sacrifice of his resources, the sacrifice of his money, so that they would not be out of line with their God. Job is a model father whose example, whose life, whose pretense of this text mirrors that of our heavenly father in that he himself was a good example for us. That is that Jesus Christ himself coming through 42 generations lived on earth for 33 years setting a perfect example for you and I that we might know how to live. He was indeed a great example to us. He was a perfect and an upright man. Jesus himself when he walked the earth he was without blame and perfect in all of his ways. He was a man who who did what he did for the purpose of his children to make sure that you and I had everything in line with the father. He was a God who came not only as an example for us, but he was a God who came and sanctified us. He called us out of darkness and into the marvelous light. He wanted to separate us from sin and make sure that we would not have sin in our heart or sin in our life. He not only did he sanctify us and set us apart and pull us apart from the wickedness of the the world but he sacrificed himself for you and for me he gave his life to the point of death death on a cross and burial in a tomb but early in the morning he got up just like joe to sacrifice for you and for me so that we could stand before our god blameless of sin blameless of anything that we have done wrong job is a model of the father that we all ought to have he's a model of Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's a model of the father that even if you have no father, even if you've got no daddy to take care of you, even if you've got nobody in your corner, Jesus is the father that you never had. He's a blameless one. He's the perfect one. He'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. You don't have to worry about him doing you wrong. You don't have to worry about him not showing up at your concert. You don't have to worry about him not being there at your ballet. He'll be there. He'll be there in every situation. He'll be there when you're sick. He'll be there when you're well. He'll be there when you're depressed. Yes, he will. He'll be there when you don't know what to do. I declare we've got a heavenly father that can do what no other earthly father can do and no other earthly father will do or ever could do. He gave his life for us. Why? Because he loved you and because you meant so much to him. And so as we look at the example of Job as a model father, He's just modeling the very image of Christ himself who gave his life for you and me. Let us pray. Father, thank you. 
for the word of God today. Thank you for being perfect father, a father who loves us when we're unlovable, a father who understands that we're not going to always do right, a father who gave the sacrifice of blood, not only for the sins that we did in the past, but for the sins we shall do in the future. The text says Job did this regularly for his children, but you, because your blood was perfect, you only had to do it one time, that no matter how many times we sin, our sin is covered by your blood. Father, someone may be here today, someone may be listening today, they've never accepted the perfect father in their life. They've wrestled and they struggled with their earthly father and perhaps he was no good to them and of no value. Perhaps he wasn't even around. Maybe he was an alcoholic. Maybe he was a drug addict. Maybe he just was lost and didn't know where to go. Maybe there was issue between mother and dad, but we we don't know the reason. But God, what I'm thankful of today is that your arms are open wide to all of your children. Regardless of who they are, your arms are open to them saying, come unto me. I'll be your father. Invite me into your life. Invite me into your heart. I'll cleanse you of all of your sin. I'll set you apart unto God. I'll sanctify you. I'll justify you. I'll glorify you. I'll be to you everything you need and more. So God, I'm asking that you would call that one, that mom and that boy, that girl today to give their heart to you, to repent of their sin, even as Job called his sons and daughters to a place of repentance, to come away and come apart from the sin that they may have committed. I hear you today calling your sons and daughters to come away, come apart from the sins of the world, set themselves in order with you today. Your blood has already been shed to cover all of their sins. And so I'm praying with them and praying for them that they would make that decision today to give their heart and their life to you save someone today by your amazing grace God as they invite you into their heart as they ask you to forgive them of their sins forgive their sins cleanse them of all their unrighteousness come into their hearts save them seal them fill them with your Holy Spirit do it today God in the name of Jesus who is the Christ I pray amen praise the Lord you have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of senior pastor Bucus Sterling